Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on November 6, 2016, on the basis of Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Just because you say something doesn't make it true. Have you ever needed to remind someone of that fact? In the world of argumentation and debate, that's actually known as the fallacy of logic called proof by assertion. In other words, acting as if something is true simply because you say it is. So the story is told of Abraham Lincoln when he was a young trial lawyer down in the state of Illinois. And in a particular case, he was going up against this lawyer who kept making assertions that were not backed up by any evidence. And then he proceeded to build his entire case around those unsubstantiated assertions. Finally, Lincoln got so angry that right in the middle of someone's testimony, he stood up, he pounded the table, and he said, Look, just because you call a dog's tail a leg doesn't mean that the dog suddenly has five legs. Just because you call it a leg doesn't make it a leg. Lincoln was accusing this other lawyer of proof by assertion, acting as if something is true simply because you say so. And if that logical fallacy sounds vaguely familiar, by the way, there's a, there's a reason for that. It's because there is one area of our life where, hands down, there is more proof by assertion than anywhere else, and that's in the world of politics specifically in campaigns of people who are running for office. And so you've heard an awful lot of that recently, but thankfully there's just two days left, right? Proof by assertion. If you ask me, that logical fallacy sort of captures what I would consider to be the dilemma of this series that we're starting today. In this series, we are considering one of life's biggest and most important questions. When God looks at me, what does he see? Now, on the one hand, of course, we could say that the answer to that question is very simple and easy because God's word is clear. In Christ, when God looks at us, he sees us as saints. In the words in front of us, specifically, it says that we are blessed and holy, and that's exactly what a saint is. It is someone who is holy. God's word is perfectly clear. But does God saying it make it true? We're going to answer that question today, but before we do, I, I want you to simply imagine what life would be like if that were true and if you actually lived as though it were true. If, for example, you tried to satisfy the, the need for approval that all of us have inside of us, not by looking to your accomplishments, not by looking to how much money you might make, not by looking to what friends or peers or colleagues say about you, but instead you satisfied that need with the full, perfect, and complete approval that you have from God because of what Jesus did. Or what if, instead of constantly trying to control everything in our lives, instead of trying to make sure that everything goes exactly the way that we wanted to, what if we could perfectly trust that the God who is in control of absolutely everything 
will use that control always for our good because of the approval that we have in Jesus. I don't know about you, but if, if I could actually live that way, if I could actually put that thought into practice each and every day of my life, my life would be so much less full of things like stress and anxiety, of things like guilt and shame, of things like frustration, discontentment, and even anger. If, when God looks at me and calls me a saint, I, I could trust with 100% confidence that that is in fact true. But that's a big if, right? Because proof by assertion is no proof at all. Just like honest Abe said, just because you say something doesn't make it true. Okay, so God calls you blessed and holy in the verses in front of us today. If you were to make a list of all the things in your life that seem to contradict that fact, that seem to say otherwise, what would be at the very top of that list? In John's day, the answer to that question was easy because in John's day, Christians were facing a very intense period of persecution at the hands of the Roman government. An emperor by the name of Domitian had brought back to the Roman Empire the practice of emperor worship. Domitian insisted on being referred to with titles like God and Lord. He insists that people pray to him and offer sacrifices to him. And as you can imagine, the Christians had a problem with this. And as you might, ima as you might imagine, Domitian had a problem with their problem. In fact, at one point, he passed a law that said, no Christian, once brought before the tribunal, should be exempted from punishment without renouncing his religion. In other words, if you held fast to your Christian faith, you would be punished, and that punishment was usually death by beheading. And so you can imagine why it was maybe a little bit difficult for the Christians in that day to think of themselves as blessed and holy, or to think of their loved ones as blessed and holy as they stood there and wept over their lifeless bodies. If you were to make that list of all the things in your life that, that seem to say contrary to the fact that you are blessed and holy, would, would death be right at the top of the list? I'd have to guess that's maybe not the first thing you would think of. And I think I know why. It's because if there's one area of our life where we make use of more proof by assertion than in the area of politics, it's probably when it comes to the way that we talk about death. We're very careful and very crafty in the way that our society talks about death. We say things like death is natural or death is a part of life. We come up with words like euthanasia, which is really just two Greek words put together that mean good death. We call death good. This whole movement that is trying to legalize physician-assisted suicide is known as the death with dignity movement. We say that we can bring dignity to death or that we can bring autonomy to death, that we can bring choice and control to people when death draws near. But remember, once again, that just because you say it, it doesn't make it true. 
Here's the honest to goodness truth about death. Death is a curse that all of us are living under. Really from the moment that we are born, we are dying. If we were to picture our lives as, as this bucket that's full of water, it's not as if the bucket just sits there throughout our lives and then right at the very end the entire bucket is dumped out at the moment of death. It's as if each and every day another drop of water in that bucket comes out. Day after day, drop after drop. And so really the moment of death is no different from any other moment in our life. It's just the inevitable conclusion to every single moment that came before it. It, it just happens to be the very last drop. Death is a curse that mankind lives under. And, and that's not in spite of who we are. It's really because of who we are. Mankind lives under the curse of death because mankind is inflicted with the disease of sin. It's a little bit silly to think that we can die with dignity when the very fact that we are dying is proof that we spent our entire life sinning. It's even sillier to think that we can be autonomous when we die, that we can have some sort of choice and some sort of control because, of course, the one choice that all of us would want to make the choice that we not die at all, that's of course the one choice that is unavailable to us. Friends, in spite of what society might say, death is not good, death is not natural, death is not a part of life, death is really unstoppable and indisputable evidence that we are cursed and that we are sinful. Which again makes it really, really hard to believe when God says you are blessed and you are holy. And which means that we maybe could stand a picture more often exactly what John was blessed to see. Here's what John wrote. He said, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. So what John saw was that group of Christians, the very same Christians who had lost their lives for their testimony about Jesus. John saw those Christians, except that they weren't dead. In fact, they weren't just living. It says that they were living and reigning with Christ. Here's the picture that the Bible wants us to see, the reality that the Bible wants us to see about ourselves. That when the Holy Spirit works the gift of faith in our hearts, something inside of us comes to life. In fact, it's called a resurrection. And from that point forward, what that means is that there is really this dual, opposite, and yet concurrent reality going on inside of us. That even as we are dying each and every moment of our lives, we are also living each and every moment of our lives. And so you take a, a newborn infant, just a couple of months old, just like the rest of us from birth, already dying. And yet now through the power of the Holy Spirit from the moment of baptism, also living. As you fast forward through life, at whatever point you might be, as drop after drop after drop continues to come out, 
that dual reality is no less true. So you get to that day in your life when, when your eyes start to weaken to the point that you need contact lenses for the first time. Or, or the glasses turn into bifocals. Evidence that you are dying. God says that because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you are living. You get to that point in your life where that beautiful head of brown or blonde hair is suddenly being invaded by gray ones. Evidence that you are dying. God says you're living. You get to that day in your life when every morning that you wake up, everything just hurts, everything just aches, and some things even stop working. Evidence that you are dying. God says on that day you are living. You get to that day when the, the, the diagnosis is cancer or Alzheimer's, evidence that you are dying, God says you are living. But let's get to the bottom line. The moment where this matters the most and the moment where this is the most difficult to believe, when that very last drop of water in the bucket comes out and you take your last breath, God says even then you are living. God says, even then, death cannot take away from you the life that he has given you. Even then, even though everything seems like you are cursed and you are sinful, even then, God says, you are blessed and you are holy. And the really awesome thing is that it's not just because God says so. I want you to picture death as this cruel and oppressive tyrant for thousands and thousands of years, the reign of death was unopposed and unlimited in our world. And yet all of a sudden, about 2,000 years ago, it became evident that there was an intruder who had arrived on the scene. And it became evident that this intruder was there when things like what happened in our gospel reading started happening. When he would go around to the grave of a loved one and he would say, Lazarus, come out. But ultimately, this intruder's strategy for defeating death was not to go around to each and every grave and continuously be saying, come out, come out, come out. No, his ultimate game plan, his ultimate strategy was to march right into the very heart of enemy, enemy territory himself and to offer himself to death, to take on himself the very worst that death could offer. And if it sounds like a strange strategy, three days later he proved that it worked when he walked triumphantly out of his own grave, holding in one hand forgiveness, holding in one hand your holiness, holding in the other hand a victory over the grave for you too, holding your blessedness. Friends, 2,000 years have passed and it doesn't seem as though a whole lot has changed with death. Odds are all of us are going to get to the point where that very last drop comes out. But make no mistake, death has been robbed of all of its power. Death is a shell of its former self. Death still likes to put on a good show, but death can do nothing to rob you of the life that God has given to you. Death tells you that you are cursed and you are sinful, but Jesus says to you that you are blessed and you are holy, and when they went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, Jesus won. That's not proof by assertion, that's proof by resurrection. And so, friends, when God says to you, you are forgiven, 
when he says to you that you are holy, when he says to you that you are a saint, when he says to you that nothing can take from you the life that he has given you, that is true not just because God says so, that is true because Jesus made it so. Which means that when God says it, you can take him at his word. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.